0: Would you please remain standing for the reading of the Word of God. Would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to Ezekiel 38. If time permitted, I'd like to read the entire chapter of 38 and 39, but time does not permit. So we're going to read the first 16 verses, and we're going to break our tradition this morning for emphasis sake. And I'm going to read the scripture this morning. No responsive reading, please. Uh, I want to make emphasis on a couple verses here. And so we're going to read, uh, I'm going to read, if we could, verses 1 through 16 of Ezekiel 38. Please follow along with the word of God as I read, please. Ezekiel 38, 1 through 16, and reading. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Verse 5, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya, with them all, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togama of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. Be thou prepared, and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard against uh, them. Verse 8. After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years... Thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm, thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands, and many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord God. It shall not also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought, and thou shalt say, "I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rested, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates." Verse twelve: to take a spoil, to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited. Upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land, Sheba and Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof, shall they say shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to carry to take away cattle and goods, to take a Great spoil. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord God, in that day when my people of Israel dwell safely, shalt thou not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. Verse 16, and thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, I will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me, when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. And may God bless blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, a very deep prophecy this morning we are looking at, and we pray for your guidance and your wisdom, Holy Spirit of God. Teach us thy truth, dear God. And we know that God's tr- you're true, and every man's a liar that, Lord, the word of God is true, every word of it. Lord, we pray that, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts now as we have the preaching of that word, we ask, and moments from now we pray. In Christ's name we may pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Ezekiel 38 this morning, more current than the daily news for sure. Verse 2, for time's sake, is our text verse. Son of man, that's Ezekiel, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Twelve days ago, I don't know if you realize it, but our world changed. Twelve days ago, February 23rd, it was a Wednesday, long time ago now. Things are happening at such rapid fire speed. A big country invaded a small country. Russia invaded Ukraine country of 40 million people, people are running for their lives, already probably close to 2 million refugees now, and that number will swell, double that number, I'm sure. In less than a week, don't believe all the num- numbers and propaganda that you hear, there's a lot of misinformation out there, I'm sure, on all sides. You've got to sift through the material and re- read what's true and so forth, but thanks to cell phones and cameras and so forth, and we can know a lot. In less than a week, the Russians probably lost more troops, more soldiers been killed than in 20 years of the Iraq-Afghanistan conf- conflict of American soldiers in one week. Uh, they have a massive army, and uh, the invasion that took place, for the record, just 12 days ago, is the largest invasion on in European soil since World War II. Uh, I, for one, and I'm going to admit, although I'm reading a prophecy I'm, for one, I'm not a good prognosticator. I'm not a good prophetic uh, student in regards to things not found in the word of God. When I use my opinion, I, I was shocked when Putin actually invaded. I didn't think it was going to happen. Not only did I not think it was going to happen, but obviously millions of Ukrainians didn't think it was going to happen either. And one day on Tuesday, just two weeks ago, not even, they were just going about their lives. And Wednesday, their whole world changed. Numbers of them are dead. Don't believe the numbers again for the second time here. I'm sure the numbers are are uh, skewed, and there's probably many more Russians and many more Ukrainians have died than it has been reported so far. And I think it's the David and Goliath battle for sure. This is my humble opinion. I hope I'm wrong, but this is a battle that eventually the slog of war is going to cause that the Goliath wins the war, the battle, and uh, no one's going to come to the Russia or to to. Uh, Ukraine's aid, that's my personal opinion. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know $5 gas is right around the corner. I I don't know, uh, I know why we don't send troops. We won't send troops, I make that uh, prophecy or prediction for sure. There's several reasons why we won't send troops, but the number one, and we won't won't establish a no-fly zone, I promise you that, not from the White House for sure. And the reason why we won't establish a no-fly zone, and we're not afraid of the Russian Putin's army. We're afraid of something called a red button. We're afraid of nuclear warfare. That's why we won't establish a no-fly zone. The fact is there's a lot of unknowns in our days ahead. We could be, and I don't mean to be startling, sensational, or graphic, or uh, sensational, whatever word you want to use, but uh, we could be on World War III. We might have started already, and we don't know it. Uh, you say, oh, nobody ever pushed the nuclear button, really. Most of, most of the world didn't think that Putin was going to invade 12 days ago. I don't know what's going to happen in the near future in this conflict. I'm the first to admit this, but I, two things I know for a fact. I know, that, number one, this morning that the Bible is true. The Russians are coming. The Russians will come, and the Bible predicts this in this 12 of 13 prophecies of the book of Ezekiel, and I know, number two, not only is the Bible true, this event or this invasion that we read about in Ezekiel 38 to 16 verses and really the entire chapter in chapter 39 as well, the Bible is true, and I know this for a fact, that we are closer to the shout, closer to the rapture, the catching way of the church than ever before. And in such an hour as you think now then cometh the Son of Man. Jesus said, when you see all these these things begin to come to pass, then look up for your redemption draweth nigh. And so this morning, I want to give you a rapid fire, and I want to leave off what's happening in, in Ukraine right now, and specifically in the specifics how it's going to end up. Your guess is it's good or probably better than mine. I don't know. I don't know in the short term, but I know what's going to happen in the long run. I know that God's word must be fulfilled. And so I want to look at the prophecy this morning as we go through this rapid fire, this first we should do this in several messages, but we're going to try to do it in a message and maybe a secondary message next Sunday. I haven't decided for sure yet. But this is the chapter 38 and 39, and really chapter 37, and all the way back to chapter 33, verse 23 to be exact, from 33 to to 39, is the 12th of 13 major prophecies found in the book of Ezekiel written in 587 B.C., or this prophecy was written in that, that time. And this prophecy basically from 33, chapter 33 that is, to 39 is basically the prophecies to Israel as they're going to be, in the writing of 586 BC, they've already been plundered. They're already, like Ukraine is going to be in a month or so, it's going to be a devastated nation. It's not going to be a nation, it's going to be a pile of rubble in many of their cities and so forth and probably annexed of course by, uh, by Russia obviously. This has already taken place when Ezekiel writes these words in chapter 38, verse 1 and 2. This prophecy is about the, the, several chapters here, is about the fall and the death of Israel and the new birth, the rise of Israel again. So this is a prophecy, and what God declares happens. God said that Israel, would; God predicted that their 70-year captivity would happen, and it happened. God predicted that he would sell his people off into slavery and captivity and the nations would be no more. And God predicted the rise again of Israel. So we see the prophecy. But then I want you to notice verses 2 to 6, and I have to do this fairly quickly. We can spend the rest of the message right here. But we're going to, for time's sake, look at the perpetrators for a few moments. Who are the perpetrators of this great invasion? The Bible says, verse number 2, again, as we set ourselves to the word of God, son of man, Ezekiel. Set thy face against Gog. Now Gog, uh, Gog, the Bible interprets who Gog is in the next phrase, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy. notice, against who? Against them or against that, that country? No, against him. Gog is a person. This person is none other than the Rosh Prince. We get that from the word chief there. As in the Hebrew language. It's the word Rosh. We believe, and Bible historians have believed for the last century plus, that the, the new Russia is only about 100 years old right now. They're just celebrating their 100th year anniversary of something called the Russian Revolution in 1917. And the Tsar Nicholas was overthrown, of course, in the beginning of the Lenin reign and the communism, of course, had followed, of course, Stalin, and, or Lenin, Stalin, and Khrushchev, and etc. But Russia came into being. God made a prophecy 2,500 years ago. He said, Gog, the, the Russian, the, the, the Rosh prince of the land of Magog. The, 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 the Magog is the land of Gog or the land of Russia. Historians who believe this, you say, hey, preacher, how do we know these things? Well, Genesis 10:2. if you want a verse, it's not on the screen, but we read about the sons of Japheth, Gomer, Japheth. Let me back up and slow down. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The Bible gives us their lineage of where, they, where they, they migrated to after the flood. Japheth's family in Genesis ten two, were was Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, and Meshech, and Tyrus. They migrated north. And so this land of Gog is the land to the north. We read about the north here in a moment. Let me hurry along. I've got to leave off and move forward here. Notice that uh, verse 2, he's the chief prince of Meshech what's mishek some think it's talking about moscow now let me just insert it at this point here time i'm not i'm not going to be dogmatic on some of these places here we don't know exactly if mishek is moscow it's been popular opinion for about 100 years now that it's moscow some think it could be referring to turkey we don't know but it's the land in the north it's the land where the, the, the descendants of jeps migrated to after the the flood and then we read about tubal tubal Many Bible historians, uh, some of you that had the old Schofield Bible, I don't know why we reference it any longer. Most people don't know what I'm even talking about. But it used to be the Bible, standard Bible for many fundamentalists 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. The Schofield Bible came out in 1917, same year as the, the Russian Revolution, of course. And uh, the Bible, Schofield identified these places, Meshek is Moscow, and Tubolsk in South Eastern Russia, a big city and uh, above the Stans, as we call them, the Kazakhstans and Turkmenistan and the other Stan nations, the five Stan nations, as we call them. Um, Tubal could be, uh, Tuba could be could, Tubal, but it's probably Turkey. That's, that's uh, folks that are smarter than I's opinion, uh, myself opinion, of course. But then we read about, let me hurry, look at the verse number 5. It gives a list of these bands that come with Gog and the leader of the confederation. Persia. Well, Persia in 1935 was renamed to be Iran. And then it speaks about Ethiopia. Now, in Ethiopia, we read the Hebrew word is the word Cush, and we read about Cush, and it's one of Ham's descendants in Genesis chapter 10 and verse number 6, and the sons of Ham were Cush, and Mizraim, and Put. And so then we read about Libya later on. I'm getting ahead of myself, but Libya is the word put, of course. So we have Persia, part of this coalition. Back to letter E on our worksheet, and uh, Persia is uh, Iran today. Ethiopia is Ethiopian, probably North Sudan. Uh, just uh, current events, uh, last several years, but uh, several years ago, South Sudan broke off. They were Christian. North Sudan is full filled with Muslims filled with uh, Islamic radicals that hate Israel, among other things. And Libya, back to letter G. uh, Majority of Libya is a Muslim country. And then we read about Gomer, verse number uh, 6. Now, that's not Pyle for the record, but Gomer and all his bands. And uh, for many years, uh, biblical theologians have placed Gomer as north of Israel, what we think is Germany. And all his bands, and we go back to World War II and the coalition that was with the evil, evil, axis, the evil empire, of course, of, of the day, the Axis powers of Germany and their confederation. But uh, probably many scholars believe today, this is before 12 days ago, that Gomer might be referring to Ukraine. And we, we again, I, I'm not dogmatic on these, and nor should you be, but Togomar is one of the most well-known places, we know. And we believe that that's talking about Central Asia, specifically of Turkey. And located near the southeastern part of Turkey, of course, is probably even includes Syria. And so this nation of confederation, this great confederation comes underneath one man. The Bible says against, prophesy against him. We might know that man's name by the name of Putin this morning here. And uh, that they'll confederate with him. It's not the Russian people that, uh, the, that Ukraine's fighting against. I believe it's, it's uh, the, the, the premier, of course, obviously, Putin himself, obviously. And so we see, the, we see the, the prophecy, but we see the perpetrators. But thirdly, as we move forward here, I want to consider the place of this prophecy. Now, nothing's happening in Israel right now, but look at Pro, chapter, chapter 38, verse number 7 and 8. Be thou prepared and prepare for thyself thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guardian unto them. Notice verse number eight. After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought forth from the sword, and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel that have always been waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Go to the land that is brought forth from the sword, the nation that was always desolate. Israel was a dust bowl before the Israelis came in 1948, of course. And, and uh, look at verse number 18 for time's sake, 38:18. And it shall come to pass at that same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel. There it is, point blank. The place of this attack is going to be ground zero for the nation of Israel. That's where it's going to happen at. And, uh, but we go back to chapter 37. I want you to see this. Chapter 37, let me do this quickly, if it's possible. That's the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. It was a picture of Israel dying. In 587, when this was written, they had, they had died. They were no more a nation. And in verse number 3 of Ezekiel 37, the Lord asks this question. It's not on the screen, but, so just listen to me, please. This is says, Son of Man... Speaking to Ezekiel, can these bones live again? And I paraphrase. And we get to verse number eleven, and of course, Son of Man, it says these bones are the whole house of Israel. God predicts the rebirth of Israel, and that gives us the specific. There it is. I can't get my words out here. The point in time when does this provocation, this this event happened that we know of as this battle of Gog and Magog. By the way, just so there's no misunderstanding, there's, there's Gog and Magog 1, Ezekiel 38 and 39, and Gog and Magog 2, Revelation 19. The Gog and Magog 2, we had World War I 1 in 1917, of course, and we, uh, in World War I was the war to end all wars. Well, 20 years later, we had WW two. And uh, that happened. It caught us all off guard. Remember Pearl Harbor? It caught, it caught the, the year and a half earlier. It caught Britain off guard and France off guard and the nations of Europe off guard. It could be World War III already happening. But this is the Battle of Gog and Magog. This battle here that is speaking about. It's not the battle, same battle that's spoken about at the end of the thousand-year millennial kingdom reign. So I want to know there's differentiation. The Gog and Magog 1 that we're talking about and Gog and Magog 2 at the end of the millennial period of time, told different, told different war. But I want you to notice here this point in time. Now, the Bible says in Revelation, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear, where the Spirit saith to the churches. The mysteries of God are many times not to be mysteries to God's people. God wants us to know. And I want to give you, for example here, look at how can we, can we pinpoint the time of this event? Well, verse number 8, please. After many days, after many days thou shalt be visited. After many days, the, the temple fell, Israel fell completely in 586 B.C. The temple was destroyed. All of Israel was dispersed. And from 587 B.C. to 1948, when Israel became a nation again, that's many years. It's 2,535 years. The Bible says, after many days, God's given us a hint when this event's going to take place. After many days, it says, verse 8. But then it goes on a second little clue. Uh, verse number 8 After many days, thou shalt be visited in the latter years. Now, that's, you may want to underline those fra- that phrase, in the latter years. It's the only place in the Bible we find that phrase, in the latter years. The only time we find it in. in, in the latter years, I believe it's a reference to, because uh, the rest of the verse and the rest of the chapter delineates, May 14th, 1948. We know America's birth was July 4th, 1776. We know that. Every Israelite knows that their, their birth of their new nation was May 14th, 1948, in that desert of uh, what we know of today is Tel Aviv in in Israel, of course, the Union Jackets was coming down, British territory. Uh, Israeli flag went up the pole, and there was fire sh- bombardment in the background, of course, uh, fighting in the background. The next day, war was waged against one-day-old Israel. But we see the Bible says it gives us a point in time when this invention will take place. It will be after many days, 2,535 years to be exact. In the latter years, May 14, 1948, And then it doesn't end there. Look at verse number 16, a third clue, when this event will take place, the pinpoint time. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel. That's pretty uh, uh, obvious, open. And as a cloud to cover the land, it shall be in the latter days. I will bring uh, bring thee against my land. That phrase, latter days, is found 12 times in the Old Testament. It's always found in reference to Israel always it's always not only found in reference to Israel but it's found in reference to the coming of the Messiah and so the latter days prophecy bible speaks about the 70 year tribulation seven year tribulation or the 70 years of 70th week of daniel pardon me or the time of jacob or israel's trouble god speaks about these latter days folks i believe we're at the precipice of the the tail end of the latter days of the, the last days and there's one more little clue when this event takes place. It'll be after many days, in the latter years, only reference that there is to the rebirth of Israel. In the latter days, after, after coming alive again, the prophecy of partial fulfillment of Ezekiel 37, the dead bones live again. And then I want you to notice verse number 14, last verse. It says, Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy and say unto God, Thus saith the Lord, In the day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know it. It'll be in a time when they dwell safely. And so you might ask this question, say, preacher, say exactly when will this invasion take place? Many Bible scholars believe, and there's difference of opinion on this, but we read that there's gonna be seven years to clean up after this battle after the Lord Plunder and punishes uh, these, this coalition. One-sixth of it will remain alive. And they'll bury the dead for seven months, the Bible says in two passages, two verses of Scripture in chapter 39. Many believe that this will take place right at the outset of the seven-year tribulational period of time or ra- after the rapture. Could happen after the rapture. But I would make a su- suggestion that there's nothing that says this has to happen during the tribulation period of time. This could happen before the tribulation begins. I would prefer to think right before the tribulation begins. That's my wishful, wishful thinking. When you see these things come to pass, look up for your redemption draw draweth nigh. I understand that the next event on God's time calendar, a prophetic event, is the rapture, the catching away of the church. We believe that the Bible teaches the doctrine of imminency, that Christ can come at any moment. This does not have to happen before Jesus Christ comes back, but it could happen before Jesus Christ comes back to this earth. And so we see the point in time place, the perpetrators, the prophecy. But then let's go on to verse number, go back to verse number four, chapter 38. Notice the propelled or compelled invasion. Verse number four, it says this, and I will turn thee back. Now this is too deep to, and this conjecture on my part, I admit, and I've read a lot on these things over these years, this prophecy. There's a prophecy in Ezekiel 28, we don't have time to go there, but the, of the Tower of Sidon, or the Tower of Syene, excuse me. And there's a dam over in Egypt called the Aswan Dam. It's the largest dam in the world. It was built by the Russians. It's three and a half miles long. It's uh, impenetrable, except for with a nuclear, nuclear bomb. There seems to be a prophecy in Ezekiel 28 that that, 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 that dam is going to be blown up. And that the river will be turned far away to the Red Sea and the river now shall dry up. And, and uh, this is what I conjecture. This is, this is, this is, just take it as opinion. Don't take it as Bible. But the Bible does say that this coalition shall be turned back. Here's what I think could happen. The invasion of Egypt or the, the provocation in Egypt could take place first. And why Russia's still, throbbing, the bear that they are, they, they turn back and they turn northwards again and God is going to put hooks in their jaws, and, in Gog's jaw, if you will, and bring thee forth and all thine army in horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even in great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. That language I see, an Islamic coalition coming together. When I think of Islam, I think of horses, I think of swords, I think of... Uh, uh, butchery and so forth and the, the, God's going to put hooks in there and draw them into battle and say we might as well while we're, while we're fighting let's get this get this thing over with Israel as well. He's going to draw them back. Look at verse number 9 this compelled invasion. It says thou shalt come thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land. Thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. And so we see the propelled compelled invasion but let's go on to why why is this invasion going to happen? Well, then verses 10 and 11 give us the answers. First of all, they're compelled by evil thoughts. Verse 11. It says, or verse number 10, rather. Uh, the latter part of the verse. And thou shalt think in evil thought. And the thought is, I will uh, say, I'll go to the land of unwalled villages. In Bible days, cities were in Israel and around the world were, were protected by walls. You know, concrete walls don't protect anybody any longer from uh, nuclear bombs and smart missiles and so forth, and armies today, and Israel's dwelling at peace in unwalled cities. And God says they're going to come against, uh, this northern coalition is going to come against Israel because of evil thoughts. Think of all those nations, those perpetrators I just mentioned. What do they all have in common? Libya, Sudan, North Sudan, Ethiopia, Russia, Togomar, Turkey. What do they all have in common? They all have a distinct Iran. They all have a distinct hatred for Israel. They hate Israel. They hate the Jews. They hate God's people. They all have that common thought, the annihilation and extermination of Israel off the map. And you don't believe that. Look what happens every year on the anniversary of uh, Iran where a million people get on Tehran and shake their fist and say, cry death to Satan, the great Satan, that's America, and the little Satan, that's thats Israel. And so we see the evil thought, compelled by the evil thought. But then, verse 12, follow me carefully with this. Notice what it says. Look at God's word. They're going to come to take a spoil, to take a prey. They're going to come for its goods. They're compelled to take a spoil, the Bible says. The first day of office, our, our new president, the very first day of office, he... Uh, Ixnade, the Keystone XL pipeline, killed it. Would have given us, we already had energy independency. We were paying $1. eighty-seven for gas. Now we get to pay $4 a gallon and probably go up to $5 a gallon because we're no longer energy independent. Just a few months later, the same president lifted sanctions against the Nord Stream 2 pipeline from Russia to Germany. And 57% of Germany's oil comes from Russia, from their pipeline, of course. There's no sanctions on that yet, and, and our president lifted those sanctions. So he shut down the Keystone Pipeline, our own pipeline, to, from Canada to uh, Houston, and he shut down, and he, and he okayed the Nord Stream Pipeline. But just last week, a week or pardon me, just a few weeks ago in January, just a few weeks ago, I read the article from just this week from last week, from Wednesday the 23rd, or 24th, rather, the East Med Pipeline between Israel, Greece, and Italy. Our president effectively killed that pipeline, which would give more oil. Now think this through here. You kill the ki- Keystone. Your president of the United States kills the pi- Keystone Pipeline. We, we, we can't. Our oil must be dirtier than Russian oil, evidently. It's, it's more carbon emissions. He uh, sanctions and gives... Oil to the Russians, and, lets them, and then we're taking oil from uh, New Orleans every day from Russian cargo ships, Russian freighters. Uh, uh, and, uh, and then he kills the East Med pipeline. Just in last time I checked, Israel and Greece and Italy and Crete are all our, our allies. You say, now, preacher, why do you bring that up? Well, obviously, Russia doesn't want any more oil competition in Europe, especially from Israel. And there's Bible students and secularists that are way smarter than me. The article I read was not written by a Christian, probably by a Jew. They're upset with uh, the, this pipeline not being built and our president putting the kibosh on it, of course. Why would you feed your enemies and withhold from your allies? Why would you do that? And uh, the, the answer is, and, and, and going forward here, I asked the question, you might have saw if you're following the news as closely as I am. Uh, nations around the world, NATO and America, and we're trying to give troops, or rather, armaments to Ukraine. Not so with Israel. They won't give a dime. Why won't Israel give a dime? Well, the answer is real obvious. They don't want to invoke the bear. They don't want to invoke Russia's wrath. And so they're not giving any aid to Ukraine whatsoever. And they're, they're doing that for a reason. They're trying to stay at peace. Everybody wants peace. Bible says we cry, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And, and that's what they're, they're trying to maintain a neutral position. That leads me to the pacifist bystanders of this, coal, of this uh, coalition. Look at verse, I think it says 14, it should be 13. Look at what it says, verse 13 it says, Sheba and Dedan. Let me do this really quickly. We know from biblical genealogy. or rather, uh, Geography, that Sheba and Dedan are the land east of uh, Israel, i.e. Saudi Arabia, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, and the country is probably Qatar and Kuwait as well, Bahrain. All the nations, that are all Muslim nations, but they're all, they all sell oil to the good old U.S. And they're, 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 the, the Islamic coalition is fragmented. Some are for the east, i.e. Russia, some are for the west. I.e., America and Europe and etc. So we have Sheba and Dedan, but then we have letter B on our worksheet. Notice verse thirteen: Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish. They're all going to stand by idly, innocent bystanders, and say they're going to have hands up. they might put sanctions on, but they're not going to come to anybody's rescue. And so we see this. Uh, merchants of Tarsus. These are the Gentile nations of the West. When Jonah fled to Tarsus, remember he tried to flee to Tarsus, and we know the rest of that story. But Tarsus would be located was located just west of what we know of today as the Rock of Gibraltar, the gateway to the Mediterranean, and Tarsus into the lands to the west, of course, starting with with Italy and uh, all the way to Spain, and then of course eventually to to, to England, and then we believe that this reference to the young lions is, ref- well, what is the, the marquee or the, 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 uh, the, the uh, I can't get my word out, uh, the, uh, not the moniker, but the, uh, the, I can't get my right word out, but it's, 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 it's for Great Britain, it's the lion. The Bible speaks about the young lions. We're New England here. We we came from Old England, and uh, America, in other words, Canada, the West, the nations to the West, then so nations to the West, the the merchants of Tarshish in Europe and England, Sheba and Dedan, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, the Arab Emirates countries, they're all going to stand by and say, okay, take a pray, we're 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 against this, but you do what you got to do, folks. When if this happens after the rapture, it makes Perfect sense. Christians won't be here to protest. Conservatives, uh, many conservatives, not all. In fact, probably a minority of conservatives are happen to be Christians, children of God. When we're out, we're out of here, uh, can you imagine what's going to happen in Congress <laughs> when the rapture takes place? I just think of the House of Representatives. One side will all be there still. I'm just, I'm just this is, this is, this is a, but uh, the other side is going to have a lot of people missing, and uh, you know I think that's that's true. That leads me to the punishment of the Lord God. The punishment. Uh, and we see it in verses 18, 19, and 20, 22. We see it actually in the last half of the chapter from verses 17 on. But verse 18, And it shall come to pass at the same time when God shall come against the land of Israel. Now, he's not coming against the land of Israel. now. He's coming against the land of Ukraine. But what is he coming for after that? The Bible says saith the Lord God, that my fury the fury is not going to come from the White House, I promise you that. The fury is shall come shall come up in my face, Jehovah God says, for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, Jehovah God, have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. Verse twenty two for his time's sake, and I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and it will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him in overthrowing, flowing rain, great great hailstorm, fire and brimstone, thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Folks, let me. Try, I gotta wrap this up here and summarize here. Try to put in one message. Almost impossible to do. We'll probably do part two next week in regards to looking in the Daniel prophecies and Revelation prophecies and. The, but there's an evil alliance forming if you're awake. Uh, this present day, it's called Russia. It's called Iran. It's called China. Bible calls, talks about China in the east, armies of the east, 200 million-man army that's going to go over the river Euphrates. Maybe we'll look at that next week. And Russia's coming first. The northern coalition's coming first, the Bible says. And, and uh, Iran... I see we're lifting, our president wants to lift the sanctions on Iran so they can have nuclear capabilities. Why would we want Iran to have nuclear capabilities? There's one reason why we want to make a bomb. There's one people in the world they want to destroy. Well, maybe two people in the world, but the first, number one is, is Israel. And it's coming together. Look for this to take place. This is, not, this is not great wisdom from Marty Schott. This is just, this is, pardon me, this is duh. This is from first grade uh, political science 101. Look for China to go into Taiwan here soon. And nobody's going to stop them. We're going we're to protest. We're going to r- raise our hands in, 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 in terror. Oh, that's terrible. That's naughty, naughty. Shouldn't do that. Shame on you. Slap your hand. That's what we're going to do, probably. And so we see, we're, folks, we live in a present evil world. And so what's the practical truth, the pertinent application for today? In chapter 37, verse 28, the Bible says, And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord. The last part of chapter 38, verse 23, And I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel thirty-nine, twenty-two: So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day and forward. You say, preacher, why a prophecy message? I wrestled with, with preaching this on a Sunday morning, to be honest with you. I was going to preach this Sunday night, but I said, no, you need to hear what's going on. You need to wake up, and you need to realize, you know, we don't live in a fantasy world. We live in a world more than the Kardashians, more than the Simpsons. We live in a world that's real, and you can hide your head in the sand if you want to. And uh, I, I'm not prognosticating in World War III, but it, it could very well happen. I'm not prophesying... Uh, nuclear holocaust, but it could very well happen. We didn't think Putin was going to invade 12 days ago, and he did. Uh, Expect the unexpected. We don't know. But a little burr on my side, I admit, uh, I've been critiqued, and I think other preachers have been critiqued about prophecy messages. Well, let's not get sensational. Let's not get extra biblical. I've tried to be as biblical as I could be. I've given my opinion as I've gone through this as well, but... But let's not be, let's not be s- sensational. I mean, some people think that the rapture is sensational. The seven-year tribulation is sensational. I'm not trying to be any of that. I'm just trying to be accurate biblically. But why a message on prophecy? Let me give you this here, and we'll wrap up things in a moment. There's some people, and admittedly it, it's a small number, but there's some Christians that literally want to hide their head in the sand. This is not happening. But it's going to be all right. Maybe it will be all right in the short run. But we have to face reality. Mature people need to know. And he, here's the mind that has wisdom. Let him that has the ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Here's the mind that, uh, that and, and spiritual minds want to know. I may not be a part of the CIA, I'm part of the Calling Post message, but I'm part of the SIA, Spirit Intelligence Agency. I have the spirit of God in me, and 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 I have the Word of God that is more accurate than the White House news or the fake news. I I, I have these things, and so why do we preach prophecy? Well, the answer is real clear in numbers of verses, but two to be and will be done here. In 1 First John two twenty eight, and now little children abide in Him, that when He shall appear, notice when He not might appear, but when He shall appear, we may have confidence. And not be ashamed of him at his coming. The Bible says in chapter 3 of John, 1 John and verse 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself as he is pure. Jesus Christ said, And when ye see all these things come to pass, yeah, right. how, what are you going to be screamed at to wake up and say, Hey, something's happening. Look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. It's close. He's at the doors, folks. It may be months, it may be years, it may be it may a hundred years. There it is, I said it. I don't think so. And I'll give you one last, and I keep saying one last, one last. The wise men, they started off two years early, Matthew chapter two. They saw a star in the east, and they came to worship him. You know the Christmas story. They said, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. How did they know about the star from the minor prophets. They knew the prophecy was being fulfilled and they, had, they wanted to know and they took that life-risking uh, journey to thousands of miles across the eastern-southern borders of Asia to, to see the Christ child. They knew he was coming. When you see all these things going to pass, Russia's rebir- Israel's rebirthed. It's a nation again. It's in the latter days. It's now 70 years of age. The capital just got restored thanks to our previous president on the 70th anniversary of May 18th, 19, 2018, got restored from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. All these things come to pass, these little, little indicators, these little secret mysteries that are mysteries to the uh, unsaved people, but are not mysteries to the word of God. So we see this practical application today, and then we find it in the end of all three of these chapters, 37, 38, and 39, I've already read the verses. But here's what our application is. Why did God do this? Uh, why, 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 why this prophecy? That we, the answer is, that we, that's all the earth, may know. Now let me stop right there for a second. We can know today that Jesus Christ is Lord and God, God, all God's people said amen. amen. We can confess him as Lord and King, King, King of our lives now or we can wait and acknowledge him as Lord later. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And so that all the earth may know that he is Lord. He is Lord. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why does he let this thing happen? He wants to point us to him, point us to himself. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, We just didn't want to feed just a bunch of information. Lord, we just didn't want to just uh, exalt our our biblical prowess, dear God, but we believe your word is true, every word of it, more accurate than any fake news that there could be today or tomorrow or yesterday. It's accurate and to the point. And Lord, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. We know, Lord, your coming is nearer than ever before. Lord, certainly we pray for the people of Ukraine. We pray, Lord, that there may not be, there may be peace on the earth, but we know no peace will come until the Prince of Peace comes. Lord, may we exalt you first in our lives, foremost in our lives, dear God. May we bless in our moments of invitation, we pray, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to sing for the third time in like four weeks here. One twenty-five.